0: What keeps us bound to the wheel of life and death and rebirth and around and around are certain defilements of mind, like greed and hatred and ignorance, and there are 10 of them. Each of the stages of enlightenment, each of those moments of realization, eradicate from the stream of consciousness certain of those defilements. So at the first stage, three defilements are completely eradicated from the mind, so they do not arise again. Three of the ten. The first three which are eliminated are belief in rites and rituals as a way to get enlightenment, doubt about the path, and most important, um, the belief that there is a, a permanent entity, a self, an I, in this process. That's the crucial one. Those three are eliminated at that first glimpse of nirvana. And that's the same for everyone. Uh, depending on the relative strength of the spiritual faculties, of the, of the wholesome factors of mind, People will either experience a profound change of personality or a more subtle one. Some people are able to enter into the nirvanic state at will if their samadhi is very strong. Other people are not; they get just that glimpse and then they do not go back into it again. All that depends on how strong are the different the different factors of enlightenment. You know, and that may vary. So in some sense, the experience is the same, and in some sense, um, it differs slightly depending on the the development of each person. Is that really what you wanted to know? Yeah. So
1: then, who, (laughs) visually, (laughs) or feel on the fact that you know what What happens to the end of the day?
0: will there be a sensory the mind No, because what it is, is the cessation of the mind-body process. Com- there's no, all the sensors, the mind included, cease for that moment. It's just, you know, so there's, there's no vision, and there's no hearing, and there's no knowing. It's beyond the mind-body the of impermanence. The Buddha said when he was asked what he taught, he said he teaches one thing only, suffering and the end of suffering. The whole path of insight is exactly to penetrate into the fact that this process of mind and body is a very great burden. It, it's very great suffering because it, it's very impermanent. It's moment to moment arising and passing away. There's nothing which you can grasp onto as a cause for any kind of lasting happiness. It's, it's all like, the, like bubbles on water. As soon as you grasp the something, it's it gone. Mostly we don't see it. And mostly people don't like to see it. The insight into suffering, suffering meaning in the broadest sense, inherently unsatisfactory. There's no chance, there's no way for this system of mind-body to give a lasting satisfaction, a completeness or a perfection, because it's all in this instantaneous, state of impermanence. There's nothing there, it's just coming and going coming and going. There's nothing to hold on to, no place to stand. One of the experiences on the path of meditation, it's called the stage of dissolution. And what happens is that you experience very intensely the fact that everything is continually dissolving. All the elements of, of matter, all the elements of mind, the consciousness, just dissolving. As soon as you look at it, it's gone, and it's very much the experience. You can imagine somebody sort of falling down a, a cliff of of uh, dirt, or you know, and they're trying to hold on, and everything they hold on to also falls away. There's no place to latch onto. It's all just in a state of of very great flux. The mind has to be trained in in tranquility, in mindfulness, in concentration, to be able to penetrate to that level of what's going on. And then insight into this unsatisfactory nature begins to grow. You know, And there's less attachment to having this. We have it because we wanted it. You know, we take birth again and again and again because we want to see and we want to hear. We want to have pleasant, pleasant bodily sensations. So we have it. We have all the means whereby to experience those things. Because we have not penetrated yet into this basic unsatisfactory nature. So what the Buddha taught was merely the fact of this unsatisfactoriness and the ending of it. It's as if you were you were consumed by an unbearable toothpaste. Your whole being centered around that pain. All you could think about all the time was that very great pain of the toothache. And one day, the toothache goes away. A very great bliss. The cessation of the pain. Enlightenment, or nirvana, is the cessation of suffering. One of the reasons enlightenment goes in stages, that is, defilements are eliminated several at a time instead of all at a blow, is precisely because of the very subtle and difficult um, nature of penetrating this unsatisfactoriness even after you see that it's all impermanent, and, and not self, and impersonal, still, because of our very long and great conditioning, there's still sense-desire, and they're still clinging, because the unsatisfactory nature has not been penetrated completely. And so it takes several, several shots, you know, several, several glimpses, to, to really make one realize completely the total unsatisfactoriness of the of the impermanent process and when that experience is complete then there's no funding at all but it takes a lot of insight a lot of a lot of mental training to, to begin to see the process as it really is free of our conditioning and biases about it We delight in the pleasant, we delight in the momentary pleasures that that come. because they have observed the process externally and not in themselves. The, the meditative mind is doing exactly what they're doing through a microscope or whatever, whatever apparatus they use. It's turning that microscope into one's own process of mind and body. When you experience your own consciousness in this state of dissolution, it's a very integrated experience. You know, much more meaningful when you see this body and this mind in this state of flux than when you observe it in, in some external, some external thing. I found that very often. I used to work with, with uh, nuclear scientists. And they, I mean, they understand a lot about, about impermanence and about change, but absolutely no, no bringing that knowledge. To an understanding of their own of their own systems, it takes a long, hard look at ourselves with our own minds. You know, to experience how the how this phenomenon is working. Any other
2: questions? Any other questions? Oh, mm-hmm.
0: Samadhi means (laughs) one-pointedness. Samadhi is the mental factor of one-pointedness, or concentration, Okay. Due to the development of certain levels of samadhi, there are planes of existence that, that you can experience and be reborn into. And these are what are called the God planes, or Brahma planes, Brahma consciousness, universal consciousness still very much part of the process of mind. It's a very highly developed mind, super-developed, super-powerful, but still in process, still this moment-to-moment arising and passing away. Nirvana is off the wheel completely. There's no process going on there because it's the cessation of process. It's off. It's the difference sort of between one and zero. You develop a very powerful mind and become one with the universe. The universe is in this state of process. So the oneness, although a very expanded mind, uh, an incredibly expanded mind, is still moment to moment impermanent. Zero, there's nothing happening, although zero is not nothing. In the Tibetan book of the Great Liberation, there's a very penetrating line which sort of explains that, I don't know, maybe you can hear it and maybe not. It says, in talking about liberation, they use the term one mind. And they say that the one mind is, but doesn't exist. Nirvana is, but it doesn't exist. It's no thing in existence. But it's a state that can be experienced. Without an experience, (laughs) Okay, let's do walking meditation. Uh, We're gonna do the same slow walking, one step at a time, being very aware of the entire lifting and forward and placing, or up, forward, down, Finish one step completely before lifting the other foot. Try not to look at the feet but a little way ahead so as not to get involved in the concept of foot. What you want to be doing is experiencing with a silent mind the flow of elements, to experience the whole whole process of moving and touching. It's good to keep the hands stationary, either in front of one or behind one or at one side, but not moving. So then the mind can concentrate completely on the, on the movement of the feet. One of the factors of enlightenment, there are, there are several factors which all have to be ripened and mature for enlightenment to take place. And one of these factors is called investigation of the Dharma. And it's that quality of mind, that investigatory (coughs) quality of mind, which is experiencing silently, but with a very keen analytic stance, really examining what's happening very closely, very sharply. Not thinking about things. It's not an intellectual investigation. It's just that kind of penetrating mind, the mind that's really very alertly and sharply looking into things, seeing into the nature of things, examining closely. That's the kind of mind that we should be cultivating both in the walking and the sitting. When you're walking and lifting (coughs) forward and down, examine very closely what's happening. Be very mindful of the entire process. That kind of investigation of the Dharma has to be be developed and ripened in the the process of the meditation. So just keep that in mind, keep that desirability of, of a penetrating mind, as you do the meditation, very silently, it's not thinking about things, but keeping the mind very alert. How many
1: questions about
3: this. getting to
0: You can. Actually, at the moment of seeing, you're not experiencing the movement. So, because the mind has one object at a time. And if they're seeing consciousness, at that very instant there's not consciousness of the movement. But you can see as you practice the the primary the primary uh, the rest of the meditation is to stay on the experience level. That is experiencing what's happening. Experiment and see which is the best the best way for you to be doing it. <coughs> Are there any questions about the walking? Very deep meditation practice. Very high states of mindfulness and Somali can be developed through walking, and people getting people get enlightened just doing this kind of walking meditation. It's a very valuable practice, and for people who are cultivating this mindfulness, who have taken it as a daily practice, it would be useful to walk for about 20 minutes or half an hour before you're sitting. (coughs) These conditions here are not ideal for, for doing the walking meditation. It's quite distracting with so many people but in a, in a relatively quiet place, you can go very deep doing this slow walking. Many things begin to be understood as far as the relationship of the mind-body process. It's the legs which are moving and the mind which is knowing. Two different processes happening simultaneously. Getting... getting A beginning of intuitive insight into the dual nature of who we are, the mind-body process. is the beginning of breaking down the concept of a single entity or a single self which is experiencing everything. begin to see that there's walking, there's moving, and the knowing of the movement. The movement is in process, and the knowing is in process. No one behind it all. It's a good practice to cultivate. For
3: yeah.
0: well, now, a circle is okay. Starting at the end of the week, back and forth will be better. Because we're going to get into later watching intentions. <coughs> and it's very interesting to observe the intention to stop, the intention to turn but that's the reason for Today we're going to...
3: S- yeah, you mentioned that you're uh, <coughs> blocking and you're going and you're not going to find that. Who, who or what is it in you that seems to be right to be
0: <laughs> The process involved is a, a series of pairs, knowing an object, arising and passing away. Okay, at every instant, a new moment of knowing with its object arising and passing away. Together with each pair of knowing and object arise a whole group of things called mental factors. Okay? All having the same object. There's consciousness, mental <coughs> factors, and the object arising and passing away together. One of the mental factors is mindfulness. It's mindfulness, the function of mindfulness, to notice what it is that's happening. Mindfulness also is not I and not self. It's part of the process. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Today we're going to include into the field of mindfulness the whole domain of thoughts, (coughs) making thoughts the object of meditation. And that is done by When thoughts come, being aware of the fact that we are thinking. Not getting involved in the content. Not getting involved in the concept of them. Not analyzing or judging them. Merely making a mental note, oh, thinking, thinking, thinking. And you will see that as soon as you become mindful of the fact that you're thinking, the thought disappears. It's only when we (coughs) identify with the thoughts taking them to be self, that the mind goes off on a whole chain of association. As soon as we we become very mindful, just observing the fact of the process, you with the breathing, rising, falling, or in out, when the thought comes, oh, thinking, 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 making the mental note that the mind is thinking, not getting involved on the content level, not being sucked into it, merely observing the fact of what it is that's happening and it comes and it goes (laughs) like clouds passing through the sky a phrase which might if kept in mind help give you a (coughs) a handle on, on dealing with the thoughts is that the thought itself is the thinker There is no one who is thinking the thought. There is no one sitting back someplace who is having the thought. The thought is thinking itself. The thoughts come and go. No one behind them. They're not self. They're not I. They're merely the result of certain past conditions, which manifest in the moment as a thought. Seeing that the thoughts are the thinkers, and that there is no one behind them who is thinking them, frees us from responsibility towards them if we do not identify with them. It does not matter whether the thoughts are the most defiled, unpleasant, unwholesome thoughts in the world, or the most noble and beautiful and loving. If we are just watching them come and go, we, te- we need, not place any value judgment at all on them. No condemning of the bad thoughts, no clinging to the good ones. (laughs) The thoughts are not self, they're not mine. We did not invite them to come. We did not say, bad thought, come now. It comes because of some conditioning or other. All we have to do is be mindful, (laughs) not identify with them, not take them to be self, and they lose all their power to disturb the mind. Whatever thoughts that all come, thinking, 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 and they come and they go. And we free ourselves from all kinds of self-condemning trips, because the thoughts may happen to be bad, or self-congratulatory trips, if we're having very noble, good thoughts. And the mind stays balanced, just in a state of poise and equilibrium, aware that in the moment, the mind is thinking. It's a very freeing, freeing balance of mind in staying mindful of the thoughts, not getting <laughs> involved with them, not, not grasping at the content, just letting them come and go. Okay, so when thoughts come, as soon as you are aware that the mind is thinking, simply make a mental note, thinking, 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 you will see the thought disappear, and then back to the breathing again. And the sensations or pains or itches or staying with the breathing and again another thought comes and thinking, 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 and it comes and goes and back to the breathing. A very easy rhythmic flow of objects. And all we have to do is sit back and watch the person show. We don't have to get involved in it. We're not clinging to anything. We're not condemning anything. Simply very attentive to what it is that presents itself in the moment. It is not a, a lurching at the different objects. It's not that you're with the breathing and the thought comes in your... It's a sitting back. It's a very lax attitude of mind, but very attentive. Everything is happening by itself. All the processes of mind and body are already happening. We don't have to do anything to make them happen. All we do in the meditation is sit back and observe it. Observe what is already happening with a very clear, attentive mind. <coughs> Are there any questions? And
4: this is incorporating all,
0: the, all
2: up until now, including sensations and Right,
0: right, right. <coughs> right. Be with what's ever predominant. And when there's not much happening, <coughs> the breathing. The breathing is the primary object, it's the anchor. You know, that's what you come back to. Any questions about what to do?
1: When you're having like um, physical sensations, you still concentrate <coughs> on them. Thinking, you meditate like
3: without pain, like without
0: feeling, without without pain. Right. Awareness does not mean thinking. Thinking means words <coughs> in the mind. But you can, be, you can be aware, mindful of the pain with a, with a silent mind. Just, just experiencing the flow of painful sensation, not, not with a commentary about it. When the commentary starts happening, that's when you should become mindful of the fact that you're thinking. Okay? I seem to uh, change the
3: place of my I'm mean, aware of my breath, my awareness seems be more sensitive, when I'm aware of
0: my body <coughs> Actually awareness does not exist any place because it's not material. So the concept of place for awareness is not appropriate. Okay? The knowing faculty is immaterial. So you can locate knowing is here. It's an inappropriate concept for the, for the working of immaterial things. So just don't get involved in figuring out where the knowing is, because it isn't any place. It's happening, you know? And wherever the, be mindful of, of whatever objects or whatever, <coughs> of whatever mental states you're going through, you know? It will all get rhythmic. You know, in the beginning, there's a, there's a slight jerky to the meditation going from object to object as the momentum of awareness builds up it gets very rhythmic very even First it flows on and the mindfulness is right with it but it takes, it takes building up that momentum you know, of mindfulness, of noticing things any other questions? ok, we'll sit for about 20 minutes meditation in your in groups are rather short it's good if you can try to either sit or work up to sitting for an hour at a time that gives the mind time to settle down and develop some strong concentration you can begin to penetrate into different different things that are happening mind. <coughs> Samadhi is the factor of one-pointedness. That is, the ability of the mind to stay on a single object. You say, mind be here, and it just stays there. That's when samadhi is strong. It means one-pointedness of mind. The unwavering quality. Mindfulness is is that factor which remembers what the object is, which does not allow the mind to forget the object. So they're happening together but they're two different functions. One is to keep the mind from wavering, and the other is to recollect the object, okay? The concentration, the kind of samadhi we're developing is called momentary samadhi, which means that we do not give it a single fixed object on which to concentrate, but at every moment concentrating on whatever object arises. So the objects change from moment to moment. And the concentration is with every new object. This kind of samadhi does not lead to high states of trance or or great power. It does get very strong. It gets sufficiently strong for enlightenment. And the whole purpose of insight meditation is for the development of wisdom and the development of sufficient samadhi or concentration to, to understand things. There is another whole path of meditation which focuses entirely on the development of very strong one-pointedness, giving the mind one single object to focus on, and not dealing with the rest. And that kind of meditation is what leads to, to very high states of consciousness, the Brahma worlds, and, and very great power of mind, but not to insight. Power is not wisdom.
1: When concentrating
3: on your breath, should you still be saying that you have
0: to in and out or and right. As long as the words are helpful to you in keeping the mind from wandering, they should be used. In other words, they're sort of reminding you what the object is. When the <coughs> mindfulness is, is well developed, the words fall away. Okay? The, the main part of the meditation is the experience. The words are secondary. They're merely an aid. I find that if I con if I'm trying
3: mindful on more things that my okay. mindfulness is more on my breath. It comes back to the breath a lot easier. I'm not very concentrating on things that other body can
0: Well, when when other things are happening and we're not mindful of them there's a tendency to get caught up in them. You know, when the mindfulness extends to the whole range of objects, so then it's very momentary. You see the pain and you're mindful of it, not getting, not getting caught up in, in a clinging or condemning, and again, back to the breathing. You may have noticed that often it takes some time, that often we're well into a thought before we're aware that we're thinking. You know. All that time, that's normally how we spend our lives. Thoughts are going on, we're acting upon them, all unaware, unaware of the fact that we're thinking. It's very much a dream state that we walk around in. As the mindfulness gets very sharp, the first whisper of the thought in the mind, and you're aware of it, just sit. and the mind is right on the happening, And that is very great clarity, and luminosity of mind. Everything is revealed in that kind in that kind of clear, clear awareness. If you're right with just in the moment what it is that's <coughs> happening. But that takes it takes training in mindfulness. In developing this factor so it's picking up things moment to moment to moment. Um, I'm
3: still right. my time, I am still this asked before I don't have to get it. Um, and to see a walkway. Okay, I was a note. Now, kind of what I did was when I believed my awareness was there, when I was focused back on my feelings and it like my awareness moved, kind of to a more, it was moved back to you know, my body. When I would feel pain, it was almost as if I felt pain in my foot, I would be looking, I'd be moving my eyes i okay. mm-hmm. And that like what and if my awareness had right. no different phrases.
0: The watchman simile was, when we first started just watching the inner outcast, <coughs> that was a concentration technique. It was giving the mind a single object to focus on. And the whole idea of the watchman represented <coughs> that one pointedness. Okay? It was to develop a certain minimal amount of samadhi. Now we're getting more into the emphasis of moment-to-moment mindfulness. So you can forget that, that idea of keeping the mind just here, because you want to be with whatever object occurs, and they're constantly changing. You may have the feeling that the mind is moving, and in some sense it is. The attention is moving to the different objects. It will get very rhythmic. You know, it will get very smooth flow as, as the mindfulness gets sharper, because you, you'll pick up more and more. Do
3: you experience your awareness, as you all the way sitting back and just there and
0: The concept of place for awareness is not so appropriate. Awareness is happening. There's the awareness of the object. You'll see as you practice, you will see for yourself. Try not to, one common tendency in the beginning is very much to think of the experiencing having to do with, with visual seeing, even with the eyes closed. So a pain is in the knee and the, eye, the eyes move down. The eyes have no function at all in awareness, in, in experiencing what's happening in the body. So if you feel that the eyes are moving around from object to object, make a conscious effort to be mindful of that movement. To make that movement the object of the meditation and relax behind it. Let the eyes just become very calm, very still. It's not the eyes which are seeing anything. The awareness is happening at the different things, the different sensations in the body, the thoughts.
3: Um, to deal with thoughts
0: Really what what should be done is simply experiencing being mindful of what it is that's happening. Okay? If a thought <coughs> is happening to be simply aware that there's thinking without any concept about, about how it's happening. If you find yourself imagining it happening in the head, make that very thing the object of mindfulness. See that that is what's happening, that, that conceptual framework. You know? In other words, you don't want to back into a corner from which there's someone observing everything else. That very corner should become the object of meditation. So you free yourself on all sides, not clinging, not, not finding a place to stand anywhere. Just simply this process of knowing an object with mindfulness in the middle. Knowing an object, knowing an object, knowing an object with mindfulness. The
3: problem I think has is that it just seems six is one object, uh, that there thoughts, there's always different levels of objects. You know, the, the thought, comes there's there's
0: mirror well, That's a succession. It's not all happening It's not all happening simultaneously. Very quickly, there, there's, a, there's a flood of things going on. It's just the Buddha said, there are 17 trillion mind moments in, a, in an instant. That's a lot of objects. <laughs> you know And we do not get to the point of picking up 17 trillion in a moment, but we can see many. There are many, many processes happening all the time, and when the mind is very clear and very sharp, it's picking up very clearly, the arising and passing away just microscopically, instant to instant to instant. And then you begin to see all the objects, and then all the reactions to the objects, all become, all become food for the mindfulness. You know?
1: Well, with tantalization, you know, we have mantras and we have thought. I mean, that's what you can think about. So that's what I found happening. Like, I was back to the breath. Now, all of a I realized that was the thought that I was right. on. Will that eventually, will I mind eventually be right with the
0: thought? Right. You know, instead of
3: being back to the breath, it's very well
0: that I thought. Right. Because all that time you had a thought, there was no mindfulness. Right. Because if there had been mindfulness during that period of the thought, there would, have been, there would have been the awareness that, oh, thinking is going on.
2: You know?
0: Right. But that's why it's helpful to make a mental note of thinking. You know, thinking, thinking, just as a way of reminding oneself that that's what was happening. You know? After some time, just as soon as the thought comes, you're right on top of it.
3: <clears> that I'm mindful, that I'm thinking, the thought yeah.
0: like that, yeah. i you supposed it is that? Right. Th- that's exactly what happens. When you're not caught up in the content, when you're not identifying with it, you see how it just comes and goes, and it's empty. That's precisely why it does not matter what the thought is. You know, this whole technique, it's a therapy, but not of the usual kind, <coughs> because it's not solving problems. It's merely letting go of them. If you learn to let go, all the problems are automatically solved. You don't have to work through anything because you're not holding on to anything. It just comes and goes. That's how we deal with the thoughts. There should be no judgment at all. A very common experience for yogis who start practicing, as the mind begins to get calm, we begin to see a lot of unwholesome things going on in the mind, like greed, like ill-will, like conceit and pride and anger, all the negative emotions. And a very common thing is to start condemning oneself for them. You know, oh, what a bad person I am. And I used to go running to my teacher very often telling him how bad I was when I saw all these things happening. And of course, he just smiled and he said, just watch it, they're just thoughts, they're not you, they're not self, don't identify with them. And then they lose all their power to disturb the mind. Oh, ill will comes, We just watch it. Anger, anger, anger. Comes and it goes. It doesn't have that strength. What we are
3: describing right now is to step beyond is labeling the thoughts. Do you want to do that? Instead of thinking I'm thinking about
0: it. Next, at the end of the week, we're going to get into watching like mental states. Because
3: yeah. that's I
0: found myself that. Right.
3: Right.
0: Right. When a yogi demonstrates extraordinary power, what's the process that's going on? The, the foundation of power is samadhi. Okay? With strong one-pointedness, you can develop powers. There are many people with powers who are not enlightened, who do not understand the process, you know, who have not developed the wisdom aspect but have developed strong, strong samadhi. There are many enlightened people who do not have powers because they have not done the path of developing that very strong concentration. There are some people who have both. They're not, they're not in comfort. They're just two different, two different aspects of the mind. One is the power of one-pointedness, and one is the wisdom of insight. Concentration or one-pointedness is a powerful tool and can be used for the development of insight. In other words, a person who has a highly developed one-pointed mind and then applies it to the development of mindfulness, of wisdom, it's very easy for them. They don't have our problems of wandering mind and pain and all the hindrances. Their minds are already so powerful that when they sit down, it can penetrate into the process very quickly but it does not follow automatically. In other words, there has to be that, that switch of, of meditation from the concentration to the development of insight. Wisdom leads to enlightenment. It's out of wisdom that enlightenment happens. Okay? Understanding the process, understanding what's happening, letting go. Very many people develop highly concentrated minds Brahmic consciousness, they become God. My teacher had one, when he was teaching in Burma, he had one 12-year-old boy, a young, young boy, who had extraordinary samadhi. You know, and he developed all the levels of samadhi to the plane of, of infinite consciousness. You know, of an extraordinary degree. Okay, so he's up there, wherever it is, and he comes down, and my teacher was asking him, you know, what he experienced and said, I'm God everything is in me and I'm everything and there's there's nothing apart from me universal consciousness that's not the end it's a very high state of mind it's a very high state of development one can experience it in this life one can be reborn into that plane as long as the karma is there one is enjoying that the karma works itself out, again one is reborn as a a human or just around on the the wheel of life. We want to get free of all processes, not, not get hung up in any place whatsoever. There's a very great attachment to being God, you know, I would imagine it's a very nice place to be hanging out but it's impermanent, like everything else. It's still part of this flow of arising and passing away. We have all been everything. We have all been in all (coughs) the planes of existence innumerable times. The goal of of wisdom, of enlightenment, is to free ourselves from this world.
3: What What do you mean exactly? I mean, I know what you mean up here, but I mean, to free yourself. up right, so we've got, well, but that
0: is not the end. Because that's also, it's a very exalted state of mind, right. but still mind, and right. mind is in process, right. meaning arising and passing away moment to moment. Right. It's impermanent. May enjoy that state for eons and eons and eons of time, very <coughs> unthinkably long periods of time. But the power of that karma, the power of the, the karma of that samadhi, gets exhausted. So when it comes to an end, again, it takes rebirth, as you or me or, no, and still going around and around, greed and hatred and delusion have not been eradicated, there have not been insight into the process, there has not been purification of these defilements. It came as the result of this extraordinary amount of samadhi. Concentration suppresses defilements. In other words, when you're in a state of samadhi, the mind is very pure. Because it's just one-pointed. There's no greed and there's no hatred and there's no delusion. You're very pure state of consciousness. But the defilements have been suppressed because you have been focusing the mind on a single object. In the process of insight, everything comes up. We're not suppressing anything. Anger comes, we look at it and let go not identify with it. Greed comes, we look at it. It's not the pushing down, it's the clearing out. So it's a different process going on.
3: When you say do you feel like it's a judgmental way to see
0: it? It's merely an analysis of mental factors into wholesome and unwholesome. Some of the mental factors
2: <coughs>
0: bring as a result pain, and some bring as a result pleasure, happiness, including enlightenment, the highest happiness. And it's not, they're all impersonal and the greed is not I and not self, it's just a mental factor working which brings a certain result. Hatred is a mental factor which brings a certain result. Wisdom is a mental factor which brings enlightenment. So it's not, it's not a a judgment concerning the person having them. It's merely an analysis of those states of consciousness and where they lead. It's like Ram Dass said, it's a very nice desk. Everything, everything is very clearly analyzed, you know, in terms of states of mind and all the elements of consciousness. One way is to stay mindful.
2: <laughs>
0: to to be very meditative in everything you're doing. A one one way of developing it is to take a very clear and large object like posture. And just resolve to train yourself in staying mindful of the posture you're in. That's all when you're sitting, be aware that you're sitting. When you're standing, to be aware that you're standing. When you're walking Walking.
3: My is that
0: That's After true. Jumping, <laughs> my
2: mind, I sort of cry.
0: The more you practice mi- mindfulness has nothing to do <laughs> with whether you're sitting or not sitting. And you can practice mindfulness in everything you're doing. So that the whole day can become a meditation. You know? When you're walking up the street, walk mindfully. Washing the dishes, taking a shower, anything at all, eating. Ramdas is going to, to do this eating meditation, which is it's very useful. Generally, we eat very unmindfully, and a lot can be learned by by eating with a strong degree of mindfulness. But he's going to he's going to do it in his lecture. Is, is
3: mindfulness always something that you're watching inside yourself? Is it is, is you being mindful when you're being very aware?
0: I'm going to get into it later, but ten. learn how to see and to hear and to smell all mindfully. That is being aware of the fact that you're seeing, not getting caught up by the content, but being aware of the process. Mm-hmm. That's a very, we'll just do a very quick experiment. As far as seeing with mindfulness, and the kinds of things that the insights that can happen. If you can try and imagine that all you are is your visual sense, okay. The whole, all your consciousness. Try and get into seeing. Okay. All that's happening is you're seeing. You're seeing different colors. You're just seeing different colors. That's the the totality of of who you are at the moment. No concepts, just seeing color. No naming, no labeling of what you're seeing, just seeing color. Now when you look around, or just look, how do you distinguish between I and other? All the colors are objects of sight only. This is an object of sight, this is an object of sight, this is an object of sight. Everything objects of sight. No one, not not if there's no thought, there's no concept, there's no, there's no feeling that, that this color is I and that color is not I. Everything just becomes equally objects of seeing. I don't know whether that made any sense to you.
3: What's the relation between mm-hmm. mind and energy, the yeah, aspect of the mind, I, I feel, like the so, I think, we're getting a human purpose of itself. I like the relation between energy and mind, I'll let you more clear. And I'll try to forget uh, your mind. Are uh,
0: becoming the human purpose? The mind can get very powerful. It can do many things. Some things it cannot do. It cannot alter the results of karma. Not even the Buddha mind can change the karmic results. If something is destined to happen <coughs> because of one's past karma, there is no way to alter that. So, yeah, I know that. I, I mean, in, in an actual, like, uh,
3: actual healing purpose, you know, let's mm. say like discussion between you know, allopathic medicine, so many times. And
0: and medicine was there of a a, a, a doctor or a, a sure. relationship. I don't know the precise precise mechanism of how it happens, yeah. but in meditation centers there are long long histories of people being cured of very many diseases through the purifying of their mind. I mean things that in the West cancer and TB and you know all things which here generally generally Western medicine would not believe it. You know? But that's a byproduct because regardless of how we treat the body and regardless of the state of health, everyone ends equally as a corpse. <laughs> the meditation is to solve the big problem and the little problems which get solved are byproducts. You know? We want to understand this whole process of life and death. Yeah. It's nice to be healthy because it makes that understanding much easier. But it, the healing aspect is, is a very secondary one to the to the one of understanding. You know? It's anyway living all the you know? When you talk about meditation and mindfulness
1: you know, and stuff like that, it sounds very clear, but in my meditation,
0: I mean, actually, can it, like, you just do mm-hmm. like, when mindfulness is just beginning to be developed, it's missing a lot, you know. Like there's, there's long periods when there's not strong mindfulness. And it's that, that cloudiness of the mind. But as you develop, you're going to pick up more and more objects. You when know, you become aware, become mindful of more and more things that are happening in the mind and body. And out of that comes very great clarity. But it's a practice. You know, when you're learning to play the piano, or, or anything, the beginning is very hard, and it sounds terrible, and it's a big effort, but you practice and practice, and it sounds nicer, and the playing gets easier. That's just how it is with the meditation. The beginning is difficult, and you don't see so many results, but as you practice, the mindfulness gets very much sharper. You begin to see. It takes perseverance. You know. there's,
3: there's another state of eagerness, I guess you say. Uh, that seems to be pure, but I'm having trouble
4: relating to the concept of mindfulness. Uh, that's, for example, watching a movie or listening to the record, and the watcher or the listener completely disappears and you just become one with, one with this. And then, next door, to all, you kind of come back and, and you it works. Uh, that doesn't seem to be mindful according to our definition. Any
3: kind of
0: Actually, the ego. <coughs> does not exist. There is no such thing. It is merely a concept. The concept arises from when we identify with the process in any particular moment. If in a moment we are identifying, either with the knowing or with the object, with the that moment is the birth of the self. And it, when that moment ceases, it's gone. Because it's merely a concept which comes from that process of identification very much throughout the day we are not identifying with things in that state there's no self there because there is no self in the first place it's only a concept which comes from identifying with things you can be listening to music if there is just the awareness of the sound without the identification of with the observer then it's in a very it's in a very selfless place generally people tend to identify with the knower, you know. For example, when when you go to the movies and you get caught up by the story of the movie, emotionally involved in what's happening, that's all that's all the reaction happening because of identifying with what's ha- identifying with the with the knowing of it. You know. If you're very mindful in a movie, you don't get you don't get caught emotionally by the story. It all depends on the reaction of the mind to what's happening. When there's identification with it, there's the self. When there's no identification, there's no self. So in a
4: sense, you can become it and lose the self.
0: There's no self to lose. It's just staying with the moment. But that state is a means, not the end. In other words, this state of... Awareness, without identifying with the process, this state of balance of mind, is the means to enlightenment. It. Because it's still in process, it's still impermanent. The awareness, the mindfulness, is not the goal; it's the means. Are you yeah. talking about more a trance state
4: than a, a mind state? Is mean, that seems to be getting caught up in something that would not, would not be any kind of helpful process in the proper
0: there are probably both factors involved with the one-pointedness predominant. Right? The mind is fixed on the object. Mindfulness may be there but not in a prominent, in a prominent place. In, other words, in all the meditation there are many factors involved you know, in, in varying combinations. This particular practice emphasizes the development of mindfulness because it's mindfulness which brings together all the factors of enlightenment. It, it gives that balance of mind.
3: Uh, I
4: distinguished two kinds of thoughts. One was uh, a whole thought form which I would identify and cut through. Another one, was, let's say I was breathing and I could feel like budding or thoughts or kind of gnawing away at, at the side, you know, mm. which I just, what I did was I just stayed with the breathing because yes. that seemed to be more predominant. Yes. Is there there, a choice involved?
0: It's very interesting. As the mind gets quiet, there are many, the volume of thoughts There's a very great range to the volume. And some are really loud and you can't miss them. And some are just whispers going on in the mind. Just bare, barely ripples of thoughts. When the mind is very still, then it can pick up very clearly even those ripples, even those slight movements of mind. Immediately you're aware of them. Depending on the degree of stillness and the degree of clarity. The way to that stillness and clarity is continuing to be with what's predominant. You know. Predominant. Right. And out of that will come a greater degree of of um, mindfulness in terms of picking up more and more subtle objects.
4: It seemed like if I went with the subtle objects, there'd be an incredible amount of input and, and movement.
0: Be with what's predominant, but if you're, if you're aware of something like just on the threshold of awareness, just for the moment be aware that that's happening and then back to the predominant. Okay. It's like the threshold of awareness tremendously expands. There's a lot happening in the mind now beneath this threshold. Like things are happening that we just are not aware of. All these whispers of thoughts. As the mindfulness gets strong, just the field of awareness gets much expanded until everything that happens in the mind, or, or very much of what happens, is just very clearly noticed. That's a very, a very clear space to be in. in
3: yourself.
0: process of meditation you begin to see very much how cause and effect are working. Just have this law. You see how mental states affect what the body does. You see how states in the body affect the mind. And that that cause effect relationship becomes very clear. As far as the comic workings over many lives, that's very much the extrapolation of this experience in the moment. Plus plus like what what various people have said, who presumably could could see in their own experience. One thing to remember is that all the words do not matter at all. You know, whether you believe any of this or don't believe any of it has no bearing at all upon the development of insight. They're merely fingers pointing to the moon. You want to look at the moon, not hold on to the finger. You know, you don't like the finger, it doesn't matter. You'll find another finger. It's just, you want to look at the moon. The moon being, in this case, your own mind and body. If we look at what's happening, we'll understand it. And the words describing it are really irrelevant, other than as a, a possible motivation or push to begin to look. It's the experiencing in oneself of what's happening that's important. That's precisely why everything that's happening in Europa its all beautiful because it's just like lots of different fingers pointing. And there's no conflict. One finger is pointing from this side and another finger is pointing from this side. And it's only if people cling to the finger that they think, oh, this is one way and that's, that's something else. So they're missing the point. It's all to look. And they're just, they're just ways of getting us to look at ourselves. In other words, don't get caught by the concepts. Use them if they're helpful, and if they're not helpful, just forget them.
3: That's what I was going to ask you. If the working, uh, let's say, to reach uh, a path for enlightenment, an and work through concepts. That doesn't mean a concept that you have to be related your mind forward, but at least, uh, there's, I think each concept has a realization. Like, uh, I'll at one point in the mind of the realization of, of, of my experience to go from object to object without getting caught in yeah, object. Right. I think uh, that's what I was going to ask you, the realization of concepts
0: uh, in the way of teaching uh, the past. Yeah. The they experience. only become really meaningful when they're based on your own experience. In other words, people who study the Dhamma and do not practice it, may know all the concepts, and they don't know anything, you know? Because it's simply on the thought intellectual level. The concepts are useful if they're based on something you have experienced in yourself, and then you can use all the words as a way of sharing with others. The practice is the, is the essential thing. It's this, because when the mind is silent, You know, when you're sitting quietly, and the mind is quiet and silent, there's no Hinduism, and there's no Buddhism, and there's no Mahayana, and there's no Theravada, and there's there's silence, there's peace, there's awareness of what's happening. All the concepts fall away. That's the kind of silence that we're trying to cultivate. free of clinging to our thoughts about things, And when you're silent, and when I'm silent, and when Rambas is silent, and when Trumpa is silent, we're all experiencing exactly the same process. There's no difference at all. Everything is the flow of impermanence. So all distinctions sort of just fall away in that place of silent awareness. And that's, that's the purpose of cultivating this kind of meditation, this kind of mindfulness. anything else? Yeah. Well, in the practice of mindfulness, samadhi is also being developed. Both factors are happening together, but it's not the samadhi that's going to lead, usually, to those very high points of transcendence, you know, because that comes from a samadhi exercise on a single point. And then you cannot do both of them at the same time, no. because if you have a single point, you can't be mindful of everything else that's happening. But this, yeah, this kind of this kind of mindfulness training develops a very high degree of concentration. Like the mind is very strong and very very still moment to moment and we're seeing the process. Sufficient for enlightenment and that's and the goal. Um, I'm taking
4: the meditation okay. and I've been having a lot of trouble
3: with yeah. it was a horrible thing and so I tried doing this rising and falling notes the I do that. And that seems to work better, so here I am. Right. Uh Is there anything you can say about what you've
2: passed over already? Uh, the idea is
0: to be aware of whatever is predominant in mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the moment. The rising falling is the primary object. Do you stop with that? Some sensations may arise in the body. Painting, or itching, or cold, or heat, or tingling, or vibration, whatever. As the mind is drawn to that, from the rising and falling, that becomes the object of meditation. Mm-hmm. And then just make a mental note. Mm-hmm. Okay, and relaxing behind it, mm-hmm. watching it very clearly. Mm-hmm. You see that comes and goes. Then again, back to the breathing. Mm-hmm. Then the, thought, the thoughts come. Make the mental note. Mm-hmm. That way, That works really well. In other words, it's just sitting back and, and being with the flow of things. Mm-hmm. That's really what we've done.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: which thought a lot of What is that? really, at least it really sticks out and getting used to it.
0: I mean, they're just, they're just other mental states happening which can become the object of my oh, I don't know what label is appropriate, but facing out, facing out yeah. <laughs> or no, really. no, Just staying away and not identifying with it. Because it's, it's not, it's not you. That is happening to oh, It's I'm just fine. a mental state which is arising. Yeah. Sit back and mindfully observe it without identifying it. You see that that too comes and goes. There's nothing good or bad about it. It's yeah. just yeah, another it's mental happening. It? It's, <laughs> that it's hard not to identify yeah. with yeah. everything yeah. because we've been very conditioned to so But the whole process of the practice is to that kind of deconditioning. We've been conditioned to identify with things. So the, the mindfulness is a process. We're just seeing it as it is, without without laying this extraneous concept onto it. It's only a, it's only a concept taking things to be self. You know? that, that's that extra to the experience. The idea is to be with what's happening without without that that overlay. Don't react to it. You know, don't get caught in the judgment of it, that, oh, this is good or bad. Um, Just let it come down. And and it's empty like everything else. Yeah. I round up to say it's more stuff.
3: Mm-hmm. It's all.
1: Um, can you use, like, a mantra to help you get back to your center? Is that a useful thing to do, like, in, you know, when he was asking about it, when your daily process, when you sort of lose touch with that? You mm-hmm.
0: uh, can.
1: How do you know, you know, what kind of mantra to use or what? There's no need to
0: use a mantra because that's like adding something to what's happening. Yeah, but
1: it
0: it can be a useful vehicle. It can be a useful vehicle. Uh, in the development of mindfulness, as the meditation progresses, there comes a point when the mantra will be an obstacle because the mantra will be going on and many other things will be happening, uh-huh. and there's no time to do the mantra. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I before i was doing this i was doing TM, and it doesn't really come in when i'm meditating it's not an obstacle but i was wondering if if i could use that as a vehicle like when i'm at, you know such and such happens and i really start to lose it if i want to come back in the center sure
0: sure but i would use it the first way of sending and it seems to me the clearest way is to get mindful of what it is that's happening mm-hmm. Yeah. but
1: sometimes like right, if you're, if you're overpowered if by it you know like if it's anger if it's something I can't just sit there and go anger, yes, or anger that, <laughs> next, that
0: next session is exactly that that's exactly what, what can be done
1: because then I get into thinking well I'm just thinking anger and that's not really I get into yeah. this whole
0: we're going to discuss it next time Okay. that's exactly staying mindful of the different emotional states that we go through
1: feeling like the witness is really helpful with that yeah. a lot it's really made me
4: be aware of even
2: little things. Okay. I wanted to know if I
3: could do this. I think that I'm to get. It's the kind of thing I, I'm having trouble figuring you know, out which thoughts to move. In which. I mean, you know, my mind me to do all sorts of things, and that particular thought, like you know, exploded a whole things.
0: my sister's a real um, fragment in the case, yeah. because of all these, uh,
3: So we can just make to come. Okay. Um. the evening, is the best. Mm-hmm. Is it like it after five? i like it yeah. because like right. yeah. um, to the have You're going the and
4: and it may be
3: that might some. Nice and, and that's
0: my okay. I mean, think it's good to them. Just yeah. neutral nice. okay. um, so,
3: with those? the samadhi that we're doing is like a, a moment-to-moment awareness. Uh, is it uh, you know, mindfulness? It's yeah? listed on the... Directory. Isn't mindfulness that too? Right. Moment-to-moment awareness?
0: right. The, the samadhi is a moment-to-moment one-pointedness. In other words, the function of concentration is to stay one-pointed on the object. So whatever it is, that's what you're... Yeah. Um, so mindfulness is... Mindfulness? No, mindfulness. No, mindfulness. <coughs> concentration means one-pointedness. Mindfulness means remembering what the object is. In other words, mind- concentration stays on the object, and mindfulness recollects the object. The two different functions- What do you mean by recollection? You mm-hmm. mean later? Than no, no, it means not in the moment, not forgetting what the object is that you're concentrated on. In other words, they're just, they're happening together. It's not that concentration comes first and then mindfulness, or they arise simultaneously with different functions. The function of concentration is to keep the mind on the object, and the function of mindfulness is to not let the mind forget what the object is. So they, they have to be they have to be together and develop together. When I uh, when I start to sit, I, I start on my breath and then I start feeling uncomfortable and then I start feeling pain from sitting and then I pain
4: pain and then I try and ignore it and go back to breathing and then pain and pain and then I go back to breathing and finally I'm sitting like this saying why can't I sit but
3: there's
0: okay. no need to
4: if pain is becoming an object or just not necessarily not so much work pain is total discomfort you know like within my back and right. my legs are you are you sitting on a cushion uh, sometimes some does it help a little bit but but like i tried sitting in an instant and, in and um, each hour you know the hour would start and i'd sit down and I'd, I'd be really comfortable and 20 minutes into what i have to move 20 minutes and i'd have, have to move again mm-hmm. in the last 20 minutes i was sitting like this time you know what's wrong with me what?
0: all of those different states can be mm-hmm. the object of the meditation considering mm-hmm. the pain and the pain object and the uncomfortable feeling and if you make that uncomfortable feeling, the, whole, the general feeling of discomfort, the object, you know, oh, discomfort, discomfort, the mind doesn't react so much to it. When you move, make the whole movement the object of mind. Just as in the walking, make each movement of the leg the change position, the meditation. And in that way, it's not a break. Yeah, it's
4: all a That's sort of like, I read some place where uh, certain, certain meditators,
0: and withstand great pain because they, are so instantaneously aware of it that. That's not a continual process going on. But uh, I thought I thought I was watching pain. I, mean, I know what pain is. relax behind it. Yeah, no, that
4: seems to work. It seems
0: alleviated slightly. It, the idea is not to make it go away. Should, if there's expectation that by meditating upon it can go away, you know, that's, that's what going to. Pain is a good object. It's a good answer because it's a very strong, predominant, predominant element. The mindfulness gets good, the concentration is good. There are some techniques of meditation taught where they induce pain to meditate upon. Really, it's a very good thing to be happening for the development of these mental practices. But you have to learn how to do it in a meditative way. Because you know, I
4: just get, I get really uh, down on myself. Like I just say, what's, you know, my body's really... There is tremendous pain inherent in
0: in everyone's body, and everyone goes through it at one time or another. And pain or not pain has absolutely nothing to do with purity of mind or state of meditation. You can get enlightened watching pain. Mm -hmm. The the object is not important, it's the state of mind, the balance of mind which is is observing Mm it. Pain is a good object, but you have to to be very relaxed.
4: I will say, I guess I I just get, get the thought in the back of my mind
0: that in order to be able to sit in mid zone I should be able to sit for a full hour at a time and not move. You know? Just when that thought comes, don't identify with the thought. like the thought, the
2: object mindful of mindfulness.
0: Mm-hmm. In other words, at that time, it's that thought. It's not mindfulness. It, mm-hmm. It's identifying with it. I should be able to sit for an hour. It's only a thought which is coming. The thought is not you and it's not self.
4: It's merely a thought. Be mindful of that thought. Well, part of would would say just uh, self-discipline coming into it when when you can sit with the pain. That's part of it. You want to make the balance between making an effort and not forcing. It. No, if you really forcing, you just get more and more pain. Yeah, and it just, and it doesn't work because you you naturally say. Well, but you want to make you long. want to make an effort. In other words, the first time the pain comes and I stand up. I don't say. Oh. So. You could, you could get a pain.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: I
4: mean, you
0: know. It may be 20 minutes, it may be half an hour, Maybe 45 minutes. The time will grow. You know, just with practice, relax behind it. Good, don't condemn it. Don't expect it to go away. Don't identify with it. It's a flow of unpleasant you know, feelings. That's all it is. It doesn't kill.
4: Yeah. You know. We used to take these minder uh,
0: vows for an hour not to move, you know, that's how we teach the part of these meditation courses. And in the beginning, especially the last hours at night, the last 15 minutes, the mind would be screaming. <laughs> really, I could hear the, the silent screams in my mind. But I didn't die. It was very painful, and I watched the reaction of the mind, and it was very instructive, watching that whole process of, of what happened. Know?
4: Yeah, that playing All of
0: these can be used, you can really develop insight into into how your mind is working, into the nature of the body,
4: you know? Mm-hmm. So, well, right now I'm just going through continual head trouble of being so
3: disturbed. and uh, being That, so mental, that yeah. mental state should be the object of, of the mindfulness.
0: Not identifying with it mm-hmm. from despair or doubting or discourage. It's, it's something that comes and goes. It the me, is mm-hmm. mm-hmm. not
3: you
4: not I, not mm-hmm. so it's been arising in a better way yeah i'm not i think i'm developing a, a witness that's a situation where i'm looking at myself and saying, oh well <coughs> what did you you are worked there what did you do? you're really uh, down dominated because
0: mm-hmm. you can you can sort of eliminate the you from it. oh there's borders mm-hmm. there's downness. It's, a, it's not you, and it's not yourself, it's just an intentional mental for Like It's just like clouds pecking through the sky. You know, sometimes soft star clouds, it's nice sunny clouds. But they're all pecking through, none of them left. So you don't want to, you want to be mindful of them and not to be asked. Oh, of course, okay. You know, more stuff. Okay, you know, so you practice.
4: It's a gradual, it's a gradual you know, yeah, I, just, I keep on telling myself that I'm still, even if I'm
3: only lasting 15 minutes today,
0: that's more than, say, yesterday. Or you know, the first time, I, the very first time I said, I said my one clock for five minutes. <laughs> I didn't want to do too much. You know, so five minutes and ten minutes and fifteen minutes and twenty minutes. You know. Is
4: there a like, situation going, thing in my head is that, that, uh, after this five weeks, what to do? You know, as far as continuing that to uh, uh,
3: are you going to be a developer?
4: no, I'm not going to take any courses. But it, it's a it's a I suggest sitting in an app and, and like I was thought to run that and you might set up an appointment. And like I don't know if I can just let it happen or if I can ask him, you know, if there's a place maybe I can go. Because I, I want to get into it fully. But you know, commitment is really quite an experience for the fact that how unruly my mind is. You know, it, they say it's supposed to take your, your mind development, an elephant, you know. And I haven't even gotten the chain around his leg yet, much less mm-hmm. trying to let him run around. but bet that,
3: that's.
4: That's everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how people start. Mm-hmm. that's with, with perseverance. He developed the facts is going on from you.